All right, well, let's open up in prayer. Father, we just come to you in the precious, matchless, wonderful, majestic, awesome name, the name above all names. We come to you in the name of Jesus today. Father, we enter boldly into the throne room of grace that we might obtain your mercy and find your grace to help in the time of need. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and speak and minister to each and every person here tonight. God, I know that there are hungry hearts here, and I thank you, Lord, that they lean in, that they draw upon the anointing, and God, that they expect to hear from heaven, Lord, and that you speak to them specifically, uniquely, God, uh, meeting them right where they are, giving them a word in due season. And Father, we just give this over to you, say, and we say, Father, your will be done tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, well, I, I did a Devo earlier this week, but it was only like a, a little seven-minute Devo uh, for church um, on YouTube, on our, on our church page, um, and I felt impressed to just kind of expound upon that. Um, and so tonight, if you're taking notes or not, um, the title of this message is called Jesus, Our Cornerstone. Jesus, our cornerstone. So our key scripture tonight is in Psalms 118, verse 22. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, The stone which the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. Now, as I was reading and kind of meditating on that scripture, I did a little homework and a little bit of research. And in relation to architecture, the cornerstone is traditionally the first stone laid in a foundation. And every other stone is built around that cornerstone. And, and not only that, that cornerstone actually um, marks the location and the direction in which the building is facing. I thought that was pretty interesting. So if Jesus is our cornerstone, he is actually going to be the one that directs it, the direction in which our life goes and the course in which we go on in life if we allow him to be our rock, to be our firm foundation. Um, the cornerstone is also considered the foundation stone or the setting stone. So this, this cornerstone, even in just natural building, is significant. And it's so interesting how, how the, the Bible and God takes very practical things that we use here in life in this world and translates it over into spiritual truths and, and reality and revelation. So just from the natural standpoint, the cornerstone is pivotal in building a building. Because how many know the building is only as strong as its foundation? If your foundation is cracked, I've, I've heard people that, that have had houses where the foundation's cracked. It's, the, it's actually shifting around. You know, I've, I've heard of, you know, people building houses down on the beach. And uh, maybe some of you have seen them where they're like literally up on stakes or stilts. Thank you. And... Uh, you know, because that foundation can be shaky, that house can shift, that house can move, and that house is not stable and actually can, can fall down. And, and so houses that have cracks in their foundation aren't ultimately going to endure the test of time, but they are going to begin to crumble. 
and begin to go down. So I want to just propose this question or this thought for you guys tonight as we get into this message to kind of just stir up your hearts and your minds as to, to think about this as we're, we're going through the word tonight. What are you building your life upon and what are you building your life around? Like I said about the cornerstone, every other stone is built around it. And then the rest of the building structure is built upon it. So what is built upon it is, is really the strength and the stability of that structure is going to be dependent upon the foundation and the cornerstone. So what, what is our life built upon? What is the foundation in our life? Is it Jesus the cornerstone or is it other things? Just a, just a thought, something, something to think about. You know, as I was putting this message together, the, the Lord just popped this nursery rhyme into my head. Everybody, I'm sure we all kind of remember the three little pigs in that story. Yes? Okay, have we not heard of the three little pigs? Were you, did, have you lived under a rock? Did he huff and puff and blow that house down? What would the pigs say? What? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Oh, come on, you can we can it, humor me, people. Um, so I was thinking about that, and I, I looked into that nursery rhyme because I hadn't heard it in years. But you know, although being a kid's story, there is so much practical application from this kind of cheesy little nursery rhyme. And as I was looking at it, just to kind of get refreshed, you know, I was kind of where you were. It's like, you know, I was trying to remember it. But that first house of that first little piggy built his house on straw, built his house with straw. And uh, that wolf came along, and, and what did he do? He blew that house down and, and got a hold of that pig. The second house did a little bit better, but not good enough. He took sticks and built his house with sticks. How many know that's a little bit better than hay, but, you know, it ain't going to take much to knock that thing over. I know I've been out in the woods, and I've seen Bear Grylls, you know, construct, you know, housing things out of trees and branches and stuff. And that might sustain you for the, through the night, but that ain't going to sustain you for the next 30 years. But yet the third pig sounds funny saying that but the third pig he built his house with bricks so we go from straw that's going to be weak and feeble and just a gust of wind's going to take that away and then the sticks you know maybe a little bit more effort on the wolf's part to take it out but he can take that thing out but yet with the bricks there's something more to that there's something more there's more sustenance, there's more stability, there's more solid um, supplies that are being used there. And so really kind of the moral of that story is, is our building supplies matter. So what are we building our lives upon? Because what the supplies in which we are building our lives is really going to determine if our lives crumble and falter or if we actually endure to the end. 
You know, it says in, uh, I believe Paul had said this in, in one of his epistles, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but in the last days, even the elite will fall away from the faith. Many will fall away from the faith. Those that were hungry for God, passionate for God, because they didn't build their lives upon the cornerstone in the Word of God, but begin to drift from that. Maybe they started in the Word, but then begin to drift from the Word and begin to build castles in the sand. Over a course of time, this life began to erode the very foundation in which they had built and they gave access to the wolf or they gave access, let's say, to the enemy to come into their lives and to wreak havoc and to take them out. You know, Jesus wants to, to build, he wants to be our strong tower. And one word for stronghold is, is actually like a shelter or a fortress. God wants to build a fortress around your life to where the enemy has no access now, when it comes to building and the supplies that we're using to build, you know, we could all throw a few twigs together and it wouldn't take much effort. But if we are actually going to take brick and mortar and put in the extra work and the due diligence required to build something that will endure the test of time, it's going to require some energy. It's going to require some effort. It's going to require some fortitude on our heart and so many people aren't willing to pay that price to put that safeguard in their life and to not give place to the enemy and to really take on the the fullness of the life that God has for them because they don't want to put the work in they settle for second best third best and and end up missing out on what God has for them I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be you. Jesus said, those who diligently seek me will find me. We need to come to that place where we will go after him with a fervency. Um, I was reading in a devotional just yesterday, and uh, it was talking about um, things pertaining to the kingdom of God and how we have to sometimes take it by force. You know, faith takes back what the enemy has stolen. And we have to be aggressive sometimes and proactive when it comes to taking what is rightfully ours. And not just rolling over and just accepting the so-called hand we've been dealt. God is saying, I want you to take some things by force. I want you to take the promises of God with a, a relentlessness, with a persistence where you refuse to give up or back down. By the grace of God, you can outlast the devil. You can outlast him. And when he realizes that you mean business and, and you're not going to back off and you're not going to back down in your walk with God, I tell you what, he'll get tired and go home when he sees how you respond to him. He will get tired and go home. But if he knows what buttons to push because he's been at it long enough, and if he can just push a few buttons in your life and get you off kilter or frustrated and you begin to get back onto the enemy's playground, he'll take advantage of you. But when we build our lives upon the Word of God and allow that to be our source and our foundation, I'm telling you guys, the enemy wants to complicate the Word of God when Jesus is saying, you know, I want to simplify this thing. It's not as hard 
as people try to make it out to be. You know, Jesus said this, as I've been saying all along, what are we building our lives upon? What are we building our lives around? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in, in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Or you could say it is built upon the Word of God. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. I like other translations that says you're just stupid. You're just stupid if you don't obey God's Word. Because you're given access to the enemy. When you do the Word of God, when you practice it, I tell you what, you're putting up the shield of faith. You're taking the sword of the Spirit. When you take God's Word and speak it out of your mouth, you can wield that thing around. You can put the enemy in his place. You know, we are not fighting for victory because Jesus already won. We are fighting from a place of victory, but we have to maintain our place. We have to maintain our position in which God placed us. And He's going to use people, He's going to use circumstances to try to knock us off our block. To try to knock us out of our lane in which God has ordained and orchestrated for our life. He's wanting to do anything to get us to sway to the left or to the right. Or live life in the, in the rear view, living in a place of regret that keeps us out of a place of faith. And saying, you know what, I'm going to shake that stuff off and I'm going to forge ahead with what God has for me in my future I don't give a rip what happened yesterday it's time we let it go because our past if we hang on to it will actually keep us from our future we can't live in the past and in the future at the same time well actually we are in this present moment and we need to embrace the moment we need to embrace the day some of you need to hear that some of you are actually looking forward, which is good, but what you do today will determine the outcome of tomorrow. The decisions that we make today. Are we going to value the Word of God? Are we going to esteem the things of God? So he, he who hears the Word and obeys it is built on bedrock, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, or I like just stupid. Like a person who builds his house in the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I'm reading a book, and, and as a leadership team, we're going through it. And uh, if anybody's curious about what that book is, I can share it with, with you later. But a statement that he said in that book I thought was really good. Um, but he said this. He said, um, if I go one day without time with God, I will notice. I'll say it a couple times because it's, it's really, really good. If I go one day without time with God, I will begin to notice. If I go two days without time with God, my family will begin to notice. If I go three days without God, the world around me is going to begin to notice. How many know that you can recognize people that have been in the presence of God and those who haven't? There's a difference. I like what Joyce Meyer said when she was raising kids. She would lock herself in the bathroom and say, Kids, leave Mama alone. 
do your thing, eat your cereal, you can fend for yourself. I think sometimes parents need to do that because their relationship with God is essential in being the parent that God called you to be. If you're going to be the parent that God called you to be, you need to be with the ultimate parent. Because he is the wisdom of the ages. He is going to give you the grace. Come on, I'm preaching. He is going to give you what you need, the grace and the anointing to parent supernaturally. And she would say, kids, you don't want to know your mama without spending time with God. Because it will get ugly in a hurry. And I think some of us need to recognize that, that I am not a very pleasant person when I'm not in the presence of God. Now some, you know, may be better at this than others, but bottom line, the presence of God is what brings transformation into our lives. And there's no other way to get it than investing time in building with the brick and mortar and letting that cornerstone Jesus, being in His presence, being in His Word, being in worship, being in prayer, seeking His face, being around people that are like-minded, that being around people that you want to become like. If you're the greatest one in your circle, get a bigger circle. Get around people that are going to stretch you and challenge you and offend you almost. Because sometimes we need that to grow and go to the next level in, in what God has for us. I'm going to say that one more time. One, one day without time with God, it's going to affect us. You know, and it may not be one day. Sometimes, sometimes we can coast a little bit. We live under the dispensation of grace, and God is so good, and, and He understands life, and, you know, he, He's carrying us and stuff like that. But we don't want to exhaust the grace of God. We don't want to take Him for granted. So you might be able to get by. It may not be a day, per se, but the analogy is still true. I mean, I know if I go like, I've gone like four days without being in the Word, and I'm like, I'm a mess, man. I am just not pleasant to be around. I start getting cranky. Let this be a tip to you. If you start getting cranky and irritable, get in the presence of God. If your joy is waning, it's time to get in the secret place. It's time to abide under the shadow of the Almighty because there is no substitute and there is no shortcut to the presence of God. You have to set that time aside you have to invest that i'm just challenging and exhorting all of us today to get a renewed hunger to be in the presence of god because we cannot function the way that god wants us to function without spending time daily in his presence i like that scripture that says in his presence is fullness of joy you know, we are leaky vessels. What we put in last week will not sustain us today. You know, it, it's kind of like with the children of Israel and the manna. That manna would come every morning, and God would say, all right, go up and gather that manna, that bread from heaven, each and every morning. But he warned them, don't hoard it. Don't 
Don't, don't accumulate so much of it so that you have leftovers for tomorrow. But, you know, they were disobedient, and I think they're in there for a reason because we all can be stupid and, and not do what God says. But let's learn from it. Let, let's learn from those that have gone before us. You know, it, it is so good to, you know, we're all going to make mistakes in life. Bottom line, period, probably every day. Wisdom says, I'm going to take heed to that and say, you know what, I missed the mark there. I'm going to learn from it and make those adjustments so I don't do it again. But how many know, even with those mistakes, can leave marks and scars and consequences? But we can learn from it and move on. And what the enemy meant for harm, God can use it for good. But when we really want to take the wisdom of God to the next level, we'll say, I'm going to learn from both the successes and the failures of other people. Know that you can learn from anybody and everybody. Know that we need to just be like Mary, just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't care where you are in your journey. Take on the heart of a learner. Be be teachable. Sometimes your kids are going to teach you stuff that will just blow your mind if you listen to them. Out of the mouth of babes. Because they are so pure and so attuned to God, if you will listen to them. As a youth pastor for seven years, I was blown away by the best youth on the planet, for one. But how much they taught me. How much they taught me and how I would just sit back and be like, wow, holy smokes. That's that was some wisdom from on high right there. I mean, it just never ceased to amaze me. So don't don't the, God will bring people across your path and don't allow their appearance or their uh, how you may perceive them. Don't allow that to be a stumbling block to receiving from them. Because God will bring people across your path that may seem like an unlikely candidate to speak into your life, but if you're too full of pride to recognize it or acknowledge it, they may be a little rough around the edges. They may have got saved last week. But if you are attuned to the Spirit of God, I tell you what, God can bring those unlikely people across your path to bring a word from heaven that you've been praying for for the last five years if you dare to be attuned if you dare to be attentive so we need that to gather that fresh manna every morning in the word of god to sustain us to keep us to energize us to keep us going romans 10:17 in the new king james so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god you know, hearing is a present tense word. Faith doesn't come by having heard or I'm going to hear next week. It's I'm hearing it right now and it's I'm continually hearing it. You know, we can be blessed from experiences in the past, but it's present day moments with God that have this anointing to transform and change our lives. He's wanting to give us that fresh manna, that fresh word, that fresh touch, that fresh revelation in the moment. Faith is now. As I was saying earlier, and I just want to reiterate it in case some of you missed it during worship. Some of you have been praying about stuff. 
God's saying, I've heard your prayers. Now shift over into praise and thanksgiving, thanking him, getting excited about whatever it is in your life. We all have needs. We're all going through stuff. Everybody's got struggles. Everybody has some kind of mountain in their life. Begin to thank and praise God and then begin to speak to that mountain. Don't, don't talk about it. Talk to it. Praise God and thank Him that it's gone. And then in the name of Jesus, tell that thing to be removed and to be cast into the sea. So back to my original question. What are we building our lives upon? And what are we building our lives around? As we read that scripture in the Gospels, Jesus talking about the rock and the castles in the sand. Castles in the sand. Are we carrying the weights and burdens of life on our own shoulders do we try to analyze and figure out our own problems and struggles i know sometimes as men we just want to be mr fix it and just fix the problem but so oftentimes god's saying you know what this is bigger than you but first we got to lay down our pride clothe ourselves in humility and then go before the Lord and ask for His wisdom. Ask for His divine counsel. We get so programmed in this world system to just be self-sufficient and to do everything in our own strength. But God is trying to make a shift to where we are no longer carrying the weights and burdens on our shoulders, but actually His shoulders are so much broader than yours. And he's not bogged down or burdened by your troubles. He's saying, bring it on. I can carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. But you can't. But yet some of you are resisting that process of laying those burdens, laying those weights down. We got to humble ourselves before the Lord and then cast those cares, cast those anxieties, cast those worries over onto him. Stop trying to figure everything out. Not relying on our, our job as our source, but God is our source. I don't care what your job is. It's not about, uh, oh man, Mark Hankins had this awesome quote. I wish I would have grabbed it and found it, but it was talking about sowing. And, you know, you can only make so much on your paycheck. But there is limitless access to the kingdom of God when we take the seed that we have with gratitude and expectation and faith and we give unto God with worship, with thanksgiving. God is a multiplier. You, you're you're going to get a, a salary on your job. You're going to get a, a, an hourly rate, but you are going to tap out. I don't care what your job is, and how many promotions you get, you will tap out. But you cannot tap out the kingdom of God when we sow and invest in the kingdom of God. And, and, and that's not just in finances. That's just in one area. But the kingdom of God has an abundance of access, but we got to take it by force. We got to be proactive. They're not just like ripe cherries that are going to fall off a tree into our lap. We've got to go after this thing. We've got to pursue it with reckless abandon. Do we lean on other people more than we lean on God? That's a question. 
Are we relying upon our spouse? Are we relying upon our pastor? Are we relying upon our mentor? Or pe- and this is stuff I'm not against. We need those people. Those are God-ordained people in our lives. But are we putting more trust in man than we are in God? Because if we are, we're building castles in the sand because I don't care how good a person is, they will fail you. They will fall short. They will not have the answer to everything that you need in your life. But the Lord Jesus Christ has everything that you need, everything that you want. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He knows your future better than you know your past. And so he needs to be the one in which we are relying upon. He needs to be the one and we are putting our confidence in. Because our confidence in self, our confidence in our job and our job security, our confidence in our circle of friends, our confidence in our, in our, in our family, that will falter. But when our confidence, or I like to say Godfidence, there's no lid to that. And I tell you what, when the fear of God, the holy reverence for God rises up in us, and I'd say, you know what? You could strip everything away from me, but you can't take God from me. He lives in me, and you can't take Him away from me. And when we live in that place, and we live in a place where we are not allowing idols to come in and corrupt our lives, but we maintain a pure heart before God that says, there's nothing else in this life that matters anymore. I was listening to this song. I, I love old school Jeremy Camp. Um, his old ones, man, going way back to 04 when I got saved, man. It was all about Jeremy Camp. And uh, his first album, Stay, I highly encourage that. Um, but he had this album called Restored. And the last song on that album is called There's Nothing Else I Need Anymore coming to that place in our lives where I'm not going after stuff because we can get in this rut of man if I get to this place in life then I'm going to be satisfied then I'm going to be fulfilled but then you get there and how many know you're very disappointed it's not what I thought it was but when we come to the place where you could just take away everything and, and, and he did a song later on and I have a I have a friend of ours gave me a, a plaque that we ha- that we have. Um, I used to in Oklahoma. I used to keep it above our um, uh, bathroom in our in our bed in our bedroom. But it says, "In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus." In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. When we come to that place, guys where our heart is truly His. We're not just giving Him lip service, but we're saying, this life don't matter anymore. There's a life on the horizon that is far greater. And how we live this life down here will determine how we experience eternity and the blessings that are poured out upon us. Are you building your house? This is another message, but are we building with, well, it kind of goes along with it, wood, stubble, and hay? Wood, stubble, and hay? Because at the judgment seat, when Jesus is handing out rewards to his kids, our lives are going to be examined. And those things are going to be consumed with fire. And if they remain, that will be your blessing. And if not, you'll suffer loss. 
So we need to be storing up our treasures in heaven. We need to be committed to God's plans and purposes for our lives because this life is so short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, heck, I'm 40 40 already. I mean, and I know some are beyond that, but but life goes fast, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like, you know, when you're when you're 16, it's like, oh yeah, I got my whole life in front of me. I feel like I was 18 and just graduated about 5 years ago. That's over 20 years ago. I graduated in 2000. Were you 2002? One, three. Okay, it goes fast, huh? And those reunions and you're like, I'm not that old. That that can't be the case. We can't get that time back. There is nothing more precious than time. So how we invest our time, how we prioritize our time, how we how we look at our plate and realize I only have so much time in a day. I got to weed some crap out. I got to say, okay, this stuff is not necessary. God, you put on my plate what needs to be on my plate and remove from my plate what does not need to be on my plate so that I can be productive, so that I can be fruitful for the kingdom of God because he did not call us to be busybodies, but he called us to be fruitful. in the sand are we looking more at our problems than the promises of God I'm going to close with this and, and I'll be done but Jesus our, our chief cornerstone our building blocks it's just so simple but it's, it's so important daily time in the word of God Romans 12 2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life our minds need to be reprogrammed and when we begin to change the way that we think I tell you what it's going to change the way that we speak it's going to change the way that we live our lives as a man thinks in his heart so is he so is she So we need to get that word in us. Our minds need to be washed in the word every day. Daily time in prayer. I like what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. Be anxious for nothing. Let's just start with that. Be anxious for nothing. The enemy loves to throw anxiety on people like nobody's business. But Jesus is saying be anxious for nothing. But pray about everything because he knows that anxiety will stir your mind up to where you can't even think straight to go before the throne room of God. Anxiety will cause your thoughts to be a whirlwind rather than having the clarity you need to come before boldly before God with your prayers and with your petitions. So you need to make the decision before you start to pray, I determine I will be anxious for nothing. But by but I'll pray about everything. And then it goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, daily time in praise and worship. For those of you who aren't doing it, you need to be doing it. Get out those worship playlists. Get worship music going on in your house, in your car. That that music, music is so powerful, and the enemy uses it 
as the former worship leader of heaven, he has perverted it, and he has taken corrupt music of this world and used it against people to oppress, to depress. You hear certain songs, and it just drags you down. I used to be big into heavy metal, and I love headbanging and mosh pitting, and I was a nut, man. I'd go to these Pantera concerts, and guys would be breaking noses and crowd surfing and going home barefoot because somebody stole my shoes. It was fun. But, but I'm telling you, music creates an atmosphere. Create an atmosphere of peace in your home by allowing worship to play all the time. Let it be going all the time. Psalms 100 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I'm going to end with this. Isaiah 61.3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Praise will lift you up out of the pit. Praise, putting on that garment of praise for that weightiness and that heaviness that the enemy wants to put, that dark cloud over you. I tell you what, praise unto God will cause those clouds to break and for the sun to come out again and for hope in your heart to be restored, knowing that tomorrow can be better than today. So through the Word, through books, through devotions, through podcasts, worship songs, going to church, spending time with other believers, Bible studies. I'll just put a quick plug in for that. We got that coming up. And, and I, I just encourage as many as you as possible here in Gig Harbor to let's, let's figure this out. Let's do this Bible study because we're going to grow in the Word together. We're going to grow in our relationships. We're going to grow in God. We're going to take things to the next level. God is building His church here, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because He's building His house. This, we're not building this house. Jesus is building this house. Praise God. Let Jesus be your chief cornerstone. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Let Jesus be the foundation in your life. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, that you are alive and powerful. And Lord, I just thank you that you are changing and rearranging things on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, we welcome and invite you, Lord, to bring structure and order back to our lives so that we're not just busybodies, but we are fruitful, we are productive for the kingdom of God, that we don't just give you lip service and go through religious activities, but we actually have an intimate relationship with the Master, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I just thank you right now for each and every person. God, that we enter into new realms in intimacy in our walk with you. Lord, we love you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.